Hello filmy people, it has been a minute since we have last spoken. There is a reason for that. Me and John were talking off mic and I don't know if it was worth putting this in and if it sounds shit I'll just edit it out so you are going to be none of the wiser. But January has been a fucking tough month. Both personally, for myself, professionally. John, you've said it's been a bit knackering for yourself as well, isn't it, old boy? January's the longest of all months. It really has. So just for a bit of context uh, for myself, uh, i become a father again uh, towards the end of last year. Uh, my job, my day job, is very busy, very stressful. I literally had a moment where I was basically crying to my boss uh, about a week ago because of how stressful she is. And you know what? She picked me up. Gave me a good sort of pep talk and got me back on the straight and narrow. But, you know, it did have a knock-on effect. I wasn't going to press screenings. We hadn't had a chance to read to catch up to record. And I kept pushing away us recordings. I was busy with a load of other shit. And our, the irony is that although I sound like shit because I've got a cold, because that's what happens when your body gets run down, I actually feel better than I have done in a long time. So with it being Mental Health Awareness Month, I thought, here, here, let's make sure that A... You know, make sure you've got a support mechanism. You've got friends. Make sure you've got uh, the ability to talk to people. And if you haven't, find ways to do so. And, you know, things like exercise, talking, drinking, not booze is probably <laughs> like a really good thing. Is yeah. That like that, well, well said, Flinty. Well said. It has been a tough month. January is obviously the most common uh, month for, to struggle with your mental health and it's really important for some reason my work pays us before Christmas so you have like six weeks none of we're all musicians we're not responsible enough to oh god to I've, had, I've got this I've had the six week in fact <laughs> Monday no Tuesday yeah. is going to be my payday for six weeks like I I spend like a madman on Christmas Eve just like everyone does yeah well, luckily, podcasts are still free. Well, exactly. So feast on this. Exactly. So without further ado, let's start the pod. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello and welcome to the Talk Filming to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. Every week we drop a pod about films, past, present and future, what we love and all the fandom in between. Happy 2020. If it has been a minute, I am sorry you heard the reason before, but either way, as you also heard in the reason before, I've got my man, my boy, the dark side to the light, my my Ray to my Carlo. How you doing, Mr. Desker? Keep them coming. Love it. I'm uh, I'm pretty good, yeah. It's been it feels like it's been too long and it probably has, but it's good to be back in front of the mic with my buddy Flinny. How are you? I'm good, man. I have been binge watching a bunch of stuff in the background and <coughs> I started really getting into Titans. I know it's not your thing, but um it's basically like an adult Batman show with Robin and he's not like a he's not like He's not like a little sissy character. He's actually really layered and complex. What was really cool? You watched Picard yet? No, I have not. I watched the first episode yesterday, and I have to concur. It's chuffing brilliant. I'm not really a Trekkie guy, no. but I really like Patrick Stewart, and there's something nice about him having this TV show and a celebration of his work. Kind of cool. Yeah, he's, you know, twilight of your career and he's revisiting, obviously, his most famous role and there's something really nice about that. There was a really charming thing. So there's a show in America called, I think it's The View or something like that, where it's basically, it's basically like Loose Women. The talk show, yeah. It's, the talk, it's like Loose Women, but classier, right? <laughs> and uh, Whoopi Goldberg is one of the hosts on it and they had Patrick Stewart on there. <coughs> I am sorry, listeners, I am getting over a cold, as mentioned before, but I am powered by Lemsip. Um... <laughs> But uh, he he then reaches he 
during this this interview of Whoopi Goldberg, he just stops halfway through and just says in a very charming Patrick Stewart way, I would like to invite you to season two of Picard. And she accepts it. It's oh, very, very charming. What have you been watching? What have you been uh, getting your ears around? I have been watching This Is Us, which is on Amazon Prime. It's uh, sort of American... Oh my god, this, this kills people with like not in a not in a bad way, in terms of like apparently this is the most emotionally charged thing you'll ever watch. It's uh, it's really beautifully written. It's amazing to watch. Uh, it's one of those it's a bit it's got the West Wing vibe where ev- it's so well written that you're like, none of these characters, they're way too um what's the word? <laughs> See, ironically, they, they say the exact right thing in the most poignant way at the right time, and there's loads of gorgeous folk music, and it's just... Are you saying it's well, it's written? It's a, war, <laughs> it's a lovely warm hug of a show. Oh, uh, right, right. Mandy Moore's amazing. She spans... Uh, there, it's the, one of the things where they age them up and down, because it goes through... The way they use flashbacks is mm. genius. It's brilliant. Uh, it's an amazing show. It's not... It's yeah. It's not uh, usually my bag, but my wife loves it, and uh, we are enjoying it. Nice. It's good. Nice. So I listen to the IGN podcast a lot. If you're listening, hey boys, and they were talking about um, Audible, and I'm a massive Audible n- nerd. I've got tons of stuff that I'm always listening to, and they talk about Louis Theroux's latest book called "Gotta Get Through This." Yeah. And I was like, you know what? They keep talking about it. I'm gonna give it a listen, and he obviously narrates his own book yeah. and he does it in the same way he does his TV show so there's a bit of a character caricature about it the first half of it is about him being like getting into TV but then the other half is basically about his I don't want to call it affair or relationship or I don't know what you call it with but he, basically the years he spent with Jimmy Savile and then the aftermath of realising I was hanging out with a predator mm. and I didn't spot it mm. it's proper like Intense, but it's also undercut by his type of humour, which is kind of charming, kind of awkward. And I, was, I keep listening to it going, John would like this. Really? Because yeah. I've got six audible tokens because I forget and I listen to too many podcasts <laughs> and I don't buy audiobooks as much as I should. So, yeah, that's six months' worth. Uh, so, go get through this. For it? Got get too it. much money. Yeah, you it. can actually return them as well, by the way, and you get your token back. Really? Yeah, it's like a library. I didn't know that. Why am I... Oh, wow. But you've got to still have your subscription going yeah, to return yeah, yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, you can return them. Anyway, before Amazon start uh, having a go at me for giving away trade secrets, <laughs> shall we crack on my first review? Let's do it. In your own time, gentlemen. Must be something big if the channel's here. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail... It will be a massacre. 1917, released in 2019, is directed by Sam Mendes, Mr. Skyfall himself. He wrote this with Christy Wilson Grains, and it stars people like Dean James Thomas, uh, Greg McKay, Daniel Mays, just to name but a few. I have not seen this film yet, John. Oh my lord. Everyone keeps saying the thing about it's a one shot and it follows the whole thing, and that's all I all I hear people talking about. Yeah. But first and foremost. Is this a good film? It's an amazing film. It's I have so many positive things to say about this film. Sam Mendes has done an incredible job. This is a film from his uh, you know, family history, inspired by his grandfather, who was in World War One and actually went on a mission as a messenger, a uh, couple of missions. So it's very much inspired by that experience. The one shot is the absolute it 
It's so impressive and so well made that it deserves to be talked about as much as it is. Right. Um, it's sort of like Birdman was called pretentious for doing it, and I loved it. Obviously, I love Birdman. a lot of people found it very pretentious and very artsy. This has a real proper reason to be a one-shot because you are with these two guys. You've got George McKay playing Lance Corporal Schofield and Dean Charles Chapman playing Lance Corporal Blake. They are on this mission. They don't know what it is. They find out what it is and they're like, well, that sounds like uh, you know a death mission. Um, and so, it's, yeah, it covers basically a, uh, half a day's period and you're with them all the way through through thick and thin how can it be a one shot and not be in real time well because halfway through he gets a bonk on the head oh uh, i see (laughs) and then he wakes up oh time has passed time is not linear you're sort of uh sounds very uh, philosophical yeah (laughs) no i thought that but um it it doesn't really bother you Um, right you're with them you feel it's a one shot. It's interesting the way they made it. I've got a few factoids for you. I counted two or three moments where I thought, oh, okay, that's where they cut it. Okay, yeah, there. Apparently, no scene was actually longer than nine minutes. So there was a lot of places. Say that to my wife all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were a lot uh, of different scenes, long scenes, you know, nine minute scene. Hmm. This is like theatre, really. This is uh, it's amazing. Uh, but there were many clever cuts and I did not notice at all uh, and it didn't phase me. It wasn't like the ageing in The Irishman where it kind of jarred you. Yeah. Uh, it was just stunning, the cinematography. Uh, so, oh, Rich Deakin, isn't it, The uh, who also has done some amazing work. You got an Oscar uh, very recently hmm. and his cinematography for this film, he worked very closely with Sam Mendes to bring this story to life and it's just absolutely stunning. Okay, so it's basically World War One, mm-hmm. not the sexy war in terms of <laughs> box office buck, right? No. And it follows a guy who's got to deliver a message. That's essentially the premise, right? It's, basi- it's basically over the shoulder a lot of the time or... It's, what, it's everywhere. It's do you everywhere. find yourself... look? So, again, I'm not going to just regurgitate what every other reviewer says about this, but I just want to know from a normal person. Do you, Knowing it's a one-shot, do you go in there trying to spot where the edits are? Well, I, yeah, I did, to be honest. I did, because I love I love the premise of a one-shot. Alfred Hitchcock kind of started it with rope, didn't he? Yeah. And, uh, it's definitely been a lot of good attempts. Like we already talked about Birdman, but I think this one is the best. Apparently, there's only 24 cuts. Seen. 24 cuts. Apparently, there's only 24 times that they stop the camera yeah. and then slice in where it needs to go to continue. Well, this camera, the, the way they did it, half the time you got men running with them, action shots, all on stable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's the very videos smooth. incredible. They, they might put it on a drone, which then carries it over this. The way they planned this, uh, I mean, this was like months of rehearsals and then they had to shoot it and wait for the clouds to come over because it all had to be cloudy. Oh, uh, so there was just, it was an incredible feat. If ever the extras needed an Oscar nod, I think this would be the film because there's really? 500 hand-picked ec- extras that, uh, you know, that they picked so I think really Sam good Mendes. at playing statues <laughs> well it's obviously the look I you know what I mean even... you know when you were a kid you used to knock on their door yeah. and then you would have to freeze and then the person who ran away would get would be lost and beaten <laughs> up 
if you that be a prerequisite for being a Sam Mendes one shot because your ability to pause yeah and then go, right we're starting the next scene <laughs> they start yeah. running <laughs> but they I mean the extra it, it's meticulous it's so well rehearsed they weren't you know they didn't have lines but they had to be exactly the right place exactly mm. the right time so the last scene which is in the trailers so it's not much of a spoiler um the they only, yeah they only had enough <laughs> explosions to do that four times um and they were real explosions not cgi uh and this scene george mckay i can't say enough good things about his i actually thought for some reason i thought dean charles chapman was in that scene but i was wrong george mckay he has this kind of traditional old quality about him where you could believe that he's in World War One. I kind of like that Benedict sounds... Cumberbatch he's got that face that if like he's standing there in an old timey uniform you'll think oh you're from that time yeah, yeah. absolutely he's he's sort of got that stiff upper lip uh, just a good brave old Englishman hmm. but uh, that scene there's actually a you might have seen it in the uh, in the trailer but uh, one of the extras actually accidentally runs into him hmm. uh, and he falls to the ground and it looks so natural because it, that was a complete mistake really so yeah but oh it was a genius mistake yeah. because it looks so real and it really encapsulates the the absolute manic uh, nature of the war yeah. and going over the top which is what they were doing at that moment. Yeah. We'll talk about it later on in our feature about Oscar nominations, just to catch up on that. But I naturally have a bit of a... I don't know what the word is, but I naturally feel that the reason why this film is cleaning up on the award circuit right now is because this is the safest option out of the other nominees in terms of all these other films have got a certain degree of toxicity, whether that's Joker or Quentin Tarantino or The Irishman or, or, or even Marriage Story for it having that Netflix tag to it. Does this warrant its praise? I think it absolutely warrants its praise. It's uh, as a war movie encapsulating that World War War World War One uh, and the frenetic crazy things these kids went through uh, I think it's absolutely amazing I mean casting wise it's genius because the two lads uh, are basically unknowns George McKay they're not anymore of course Dean Charles Chapman hmm. they do an incredible incredible job but they're unknowns which is brilliant because you don't want a name you don't want a Harry Styles well, it's not like, it's not, well I was about to say Dunkirk had yeah. pretty much unknowns until they had Harry Styles but. yeah so that's amazing but it, they also uh Every half hour or so, you get this kind of cameo from a Mark Strong, Andrew Scott, Benedict Cumberbatch, oh, Richard yeah, Madden, Cumberbatch. <laughs> you know it. Uh, so you got these kind of uh, superstars just splattered around. Yeah, Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now, kind of. Oh, I'm going to give you a, this incredible speech or this incredible dialogue <laughs> for five minutes, and that's me done. Goodbye. But it's incredible because mm. you got those stars, and it's. Genius casting, because you've got these unknowns kind of looking up to these higher-ups, which are the, the stars. So it works uh, amazingly well for that. But it absolutely warrants its praise. Um, I can't... The uh, My only reservation, uh, and I feel I'm being a bit harsh, because they're <laughs> nine-minute shots. Some of the just lines of dialogue, it's not the most Punching. naturally acted between the two Right, lads. okay. Just... Which is really, I feel harsh for saying it, but it just comes over, across a little bit wooden in places. But it's really not about that. Uh, that I think they both did an incredible job because these—it's an action movie, you know. They are yeah. 
these uh, two lads go through absolute murder to get to where they are and you know you're watching them crawl through all this shit and over corpses and down a river and it's real like George McKay particularly is going through the absolute wars filming this movie um my wife cried for two hours through it she <laughs> couldn't handle it because it is just relentless I can, I can imagine it's a stressful film it's a it's a stressful film but right. it flew by um well, let's let's start talking about actually scoring this one then. So I'll tell you what the the film community out there on Rotten Tomatoes have been saying. Obviously, a lot of people are putting this in the high scoring. In fact, it's very similar in terms of audience and critics score. Eighty nine on the tomato meter and eighty eight on the audience score. But let's let's go with someone that says this is a classic. I'm going to go with what David Sexton. What a name from the London Evening Standard. He put this film is thrilling, moving on effectively from one shocking set piece to another, studying the narrative. Too many starry cameos. That's that's what he's put. And <laughs> uh, he's put five out of five. Someone who didn't like it though. Let's go with Phil Hall from Cinema Crazed, and he has put uh, the adventure turns into grotesque exaggeration of Murphy's Law. Anything that cat can go wrong happens tenfold and gives it two out of five where do you sit on that I understand <coughs> that critique because it's this crazy mission when there's a lot of near you know near misses but it's a two hour war movie it's like what do you want yeah it, that, it, the concept suspense. is is that they're not God's creature right in terms of they are a thought they are a product of good fortune in terms yeah. of you have a thousand people running up a beach Maybe only 100 of them make through, and out of that 100, maybe only 20 of them make it over the next obstacle, and they're just that one person that did actually make it through to the end. Yeah, it's kind of like a, <coughs> a mashup of a lot of uh, the stuff you learn about from World War One, even at school, a lot of war stories, kind of all in one, and I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, because... Uh, it's even more important now that we remember this war, 100 and you know, finished time and two years ago, no one's alive from it, obviously. Uh, we need to be telling these stories in as much detail as possible, especially bringing it to a younger generation. So I kind of think that's a useless criticism of it. I am a, absolutely five out of five, no questions asked. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Um, it's uh, tough. It's suspense-filled. It's an incredible technical feat of cinematography. So impressive. I don't begrudge it winning anything. That sounds very... There's a joke in there about what you promised your wife, but I'll keep it clean. <laughs> so there you have it. Five out of five, 1917. It is still available in cinemas. Go see it right now. Good luck. week's time is when the Oscars lands uh, it's amazing how quickly these campaigns go, come and go right we've had the SAG Awards we've had the Golden Globes uh, we've got BAFTAs just around the corner as well um, do you remember last year I'd done like a reaction pod on my own I don't know if I'll do that again <laughs> if people are interested let me know um, but anyway let's talk about some of the nominations now look you know, let's just get it off the table now it is shit they've not nominated many people of colour or many women in things that they probably should be nominating them for 
you know, can't condone that, but we just have to talk about denominations that are here rather than denominations that are not. If you want to understand why it's important and everything else, there is a bunch of other stuff you should be listening and reading to, which we'll tweet about, uh, tweet about, sorry, um, over the coming days or so. But anyway, John, Oscars, are you, is this like, are you, are you pumped for it or are you just like, meh? I love the Oscars, man. We used to have an Oscars party where you stay up, we stayed up all night because we were in Abu Dhabi at the time. Uh, it was a big thing, get sloshed and, you know, bet on the Oscars, like mm. who's going to win. Um, and yeah, I, it's sort of, it's a cliche, but if it's been Oscar nominated, you can, I can it's almost that guarantee hallmark. that I will like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is or you've a, got, a, there's a conversation to be had. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth a watch and you can see why they pay absolutely multi-millions on oh just trying to yeah. these campaigns because there's a video of Denzel Washington in an interview being really candid about the whole process saying it's about who invests the most yeah. so he I can't remember what film it was but for one particular year on the campaign trail he had like a secretary who basically gave him a schedule of you're going to this party tonight you're stopping by here also a lot of the academy voting members are ex-professionals but they're not just ex-actors they're ex-directors they're ex-crewmen they're ex-everything else and what happens to really rich people when they get really old they go to a care home (laughs) and there is a care home in Hollywood that has like a bunch of people who can vote on this so part of the campaign trail (laughs) is to fucking stop by that old folks home and sit with them and get them to watch the film Mm. because it's an easy vote yeah and it's just there is so much weird politics going on and also i don't like this narrative that's come out of film twitter and it does every year because every year we've got to be outraged by something oh yeah people are channeling their rage for lack of diversity into attacking some of the films that are nominated now whatever your view is about joker it's not joker's fault that little women didn't get nominated so stop having a fucking go at joker do you know what i mean like you're entitled to your opinion please have it but like yeah so you don't have to bring something else down you yeah by yeah no i completely agree i know i know although I know. little women is nominated with joker so We'll see. Yeah, in certain categories, but a lot of, uh, Greta has not had the respect she deserves. No, for she hasn't had anything, has she? No, so let's let's get into it. So let's talk off with the let's get one out of the way. Performance by a leading actor, and those uh, and those role nominees are Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix in Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. I'm calling it now. I want it to be Joaquin Phoenix, but I know it's not going to happen. I think it's going to be Antonio Banderas. Yeah, I yeah. want it to be uh, Leo. I think he's yeah, but he got that nod already recently. Well, I suppose that's not a bad thing. But I genuinely, I just think his was the best performance. To be honest, I like cl- with a close second with Joaquin Phoenix. But I think that's Leo's best ever movie. Um, and I know he's just won one. It's it's fantastic, and I think he deserves it. We watched it again over Christmas, and one thing I didn't notice: the amount of feet in that film. Whacking Phoenix is a fucking weird, crazy, freaky bastard. How much he keeps putting feet in there. But the nuances and the, the subtlety, that scene where he's crying to himself with that girl goes, that's the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah. That's so raw. I it's, love that scene. It's incredible. <coughs> so You've convinced me. Fuck okay, it. I'm, I'm oh. changing it now, Leo. Score. Um, all right, let's move on. So, performance by an actor in a supporting role. The nominees are Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm going Brad Pitt all the way. 
Yeah, Brad Pitt, fantastic in that movie. I haven't seen Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood or The Two I, Popes yet. I have. I have, been, yeah? I have been privy to see a screening of this. A lot of people are going to be pissed at this film. A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood? Yeah, because they think it's a Mr Rogers movie. Right. And it's not. Okay. It's about a reporter who is tasked with interviewing and doing an expose, if you can call it that, on Mr Rogers. And that is actually the film. Right. And his life changes for the better for it's based on a book and stuff. But everyone expected this to be Tom Hanks go all that. Look, if you want to if you want your Mr. Rogers fix, there's actually a documentary called Will You Be My Neighbour? Which mm. is that you get that warm, lovable thing of how can this guy be so perfect? Although saying that, if the British media is anything to go by, everyone that you've loved over the last twenty years has been a horrible person. <laughs> so maybe there's a skeleton there, but hopefully not. Um so yeah, I I I don't think yeah, Tom Hanks is gonna get it for that reason. I, I mean, <coughs> Joe Pesci came out of retirement um, to do the Irish. He did, but I and think he looks about eighty-five. He does, but I think Netflix, after like they've had their moment, like yeah. with Roma, and I think like the movie industry is going to be more like. I also think once upon a time is probably going to get screwed in loads of other categories. I know it doesn't really matter, but you can't help but you get into the politics now, don't you? But I think this is yeah, they ain't winning much for sure. No. And Brad Pitt famously does not campaign, and that's become like a cool thing now. Of Brad Pitt doesn't do campaigning. Mm. <coughs> and saying that, what year is he? Ad Astra. Yeah. How good is he in that film? Mm. And how good is he in this film? He deserves everything. So, should we go lead actress? Go for it. So, go on and tell us the nominees. We've got Cynthia Erivo in uh, Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Cersei Ronan, Little Women, Charlize Theron, Bombshell, Rennie Zellweger, Judy. Now, I haven't seen everything I've in I've seen this. one of these, which uh, which is always good. Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story. Um, she's really good. I wouldn't say... Uh, I mean, I actually criticised her performance a little bit in that. Um, but I've heard... I'd love to see Bombshell. I'm really interested to see Charlize Theron, your favourite gal in the world. Oh, Sorry if you're listening, wife, but um, it's true. Um, yeah, so... I, yeah, struggle. I'm going with Lupita Nyong'o for us. <laughs> I think she's she's gave a great performance. Yeah. Uh, to both of them. Let's she could have support again. in that. So so yes, there you go. So even though she's not been nominated, go fuck yourself, Oscars. <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o wins that one. Uh, so performance by an actress in a supporting role. The nominees are Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh in Little Women, and Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Where you All going, right. John? Well. Conversely, I love Scarlett Johansson, by the way. Marriage Story, I thought she was good, not great. Jojo Rabbit, she was great. Mm. Brilliant. So I would not begrudge her at all for that one, and I'm sure she'll really care about my opinion. Florence Pugh, I've heard amazing things, and the reaction video, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, It's really sweet. Uh, until you realise Zach Braff is recording it. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) where do you stand on this? Right, because Zach Braff is like ridiculously more, like 23 years older than I. Is that, is that right? 23? Something like that. He's, 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 he's like a, a, a questionable age difference between her. That being said, 44, she's, a, yeah. she's not a kid. Yeah, yeah, she's an adult. She's 23, 24. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was in like seventh grade when Scrubs came out, but still. <laughs> you know what? Oh, he had some amazing girlfriends in Scrubs, and now he's... You can tell he was a writer on the life. show, when all of a sudden it was uh, all these amazingly attractive women becomes his yeah. love interest. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know where I stand on it, consenting adults and everything, so fuck yeah, it, let him get on with it. Um, but, yeah, I've heard her performance 
really amazing. She's having an incredible She's having a moment. Year. She is having a moment. Um, long may it continue. I'm going to say who I think should get it, and then I'm going to say who will probably get it. Mm. Um, I think probably Florence Pugh, because she deserves recognition for a whole year, and she's all right. She's great in Little Women, uh, and I... I don't think Scarlett Johansson is going to get Jojo. I think Lauren Dern is going to get it for Marriage Story. Very good. She is very good in that. I think the political stuff about Bombshell does not... Uh, I think they want to keep their sticky fingers away from that. Mm. And apparently it doesn't go as far as it should do. Right. If that makes sense. Oh, I'd like to see it. So let's go with Best Animated Feature, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link and Toy Story 4. Where's your money going, John? Um, again, haven't seen enough of these, but Klaus has gotten a lot of plaudits. It is very, very good. Not many. I mean, how often do we get great Christmas movies? Um, and with a real alternative twist on it. So maybe Sergio Pavlos. I think everyone is saying it's going to be either Klaus or Toy Story 4. I think the vote's going to be diluted and I think that's how come How Train Your Dragon The Hidden World has been cleaning up in other award categories in other ceremonies. So I think it's going to be a shock. I think that's going to be How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, well Toy Story 4 was very surprisingly very good. It was surprisingly average in my opinion. Yeah. It was alright. I think I gave it like... Four out of five. I think it was like a generous four. Generous four. A very generous mm. four. All right, let's go into... You, you, oh, this is something you'll love here, John. Okay, cinematography. Oh, sorry, the actual category is called Achievements in Cinematography. The, nom- the nominees are The Irishman, Joker, Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Men, men everywhere. <laughs> men, <laughs> men, dicks, penises, as far um, as the eye can see. All right, so 1917, hands down... Absolutely no questions asked. And when you watch it, you will agree with me, Flinny. That's it. Any other... Do I win? Is that I think it? you probably win. Um, <laughs> the Lighthouse is in black and white. People like that. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> that's the analysis you come on the yeah, top yeah, film. Yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry about the coughing, folks. Um, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood works so well because of the and that eerie shot at the end when... Um, Sharon Tate's like, oh, come to my place, and it looks over the the Hollywood skyline. That's beautiful, and it's very eerie, and mm. I think there's something really captivating about it. And I feel like when you don't award it in some categories, this might be an easy one to give, but 1917 is the most cinematography, cinematography film ever, right? It's a one-shot. It's done in lots of amazing landscapes, and you know the technical challenge it's taken to get to this point, and it looks good, so you naturally want to give it the award. So I think you're right. I think 1917 will win. I think it'll get it, um, and deservedly so. They've done enough behind-the-scenes documentaries about it to... Uh, make everyone realise what the effort that was put in. So yeah. uh, Let's talk about costume design briefly because I do think this is worth talking about. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women and Once Upon a Time. For my money, the way Jojo Rabbit looks in that film, how they've turned that into like a occupied German village and how the look and the feel and I know it sounds stupid, but the smell of the film, like you mm. feel like you're in the environment and that's down to not just the acting and not just cinematography, it's about the costumes and the set design and stuff like that as well. So for me, my money's on Jojo. Where you go? I would love for it to win that because that's one of the things I, first things I, I noticed really, mm. how amazing. A comedy about, you know, World War Two. you might not expect to have such 
close detail to that kind of thing but this completely bucked that trend and that expectation mm. so I would love Jojo to win the costume speaking about dicks as far as the eye can see the directing nominees uh, I meant just because they're blokes um, their personal preference and personality is <laughs> up to them uh, The Irishman Martin Scorsese The Joker by Todd Phillips 1917 by Sam Mendes and Once Pull a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino and to round it off Parasite The Surprise Package by Bong Joon-ho I haven't going? seen Parasite, but um, that's a tough one because The Irishman's very good. Very good. Very long. Sam Mendes, 1970. I wouldn't begrudge any of them, really, but um, I would like to see I would like to see Sam Mendes win that one, to be honest. Maybe it's just the most recent one I've seen, but... <laughs> I... So, I'm going to go after what I like and what I think will happen. Go on, then. I think... It's going to be Quentin Tarantino. Mm. I think because he has done a very, very good Oscar campaign. In fact, um, if you go on Twitter, you can see some of the brochures they've been making for it. Mm. It's really classy. Like, there's one particular thing. I want as a fucking poster, right? So, scene of Margot Robbie, uh, Sharon Tate coming out of the cinema, holding a book, looking up, looking really excited, coming out of the cinema, and it says, This is what you go to the cinema for, Quentin Tarantino. And I was like, You've, You fucking got me, man. Yeah. You son of a bitch, you got me. Um, and he's, he doesn't often get the nods, does he? No, and this is, this is kind of the, the thing. I don't think Todd Phillips will get I think the toxicity towards Joker outside by the fandom. Then again, do they listen to that? No, probably not. Um, it's easy to give it a Scorsese, but I think Sam Mendes is the safer bet. Um, so I think it'll probably go to Quentin Tarantino. I want it to go to Parasite because I think it'll be a breath of fresh air, but I think it'll go Quentin Tarantino. I'd like Tarantino. I'd like to hear his acceptance speech as well. <coughs> it would probably be more interesting than uh, the others no offence to those guys of course <laughs> right we're not going to go through every category because we'll be here forever and a day let's talk about film editing because that's interesting uh, Ford versus Ferrari The Irishman Jojo Rabbit Joker and Parasite where are you going on this no 1917 yeah given that the whole thing's just... a fucking one cut <laughs> no editing necessary um, t- I, I think Joker um, I think Joker is brilliant uh, for the editing wise um, on that so I'd like to see that get a nod it will definitely get a nod somewhere uh, around this yeah but um, I yeah. feel like like and you know let's preface this before the real film nerds be like oh I've fucking seen some of the edits you fucking said you like the editing of Burrap look at this fucking example look we ain't technical editing people we just know what we like in terms of good seamless experiences and how it makes you feel and if it makes you, know you feel good edit a podcast don't we you? know how to edit a podcast <laughs> yeah just stick it in level later um <laughs> But I agree, Joker is edited very, very well, um, in my opinion, from what I've seen and what I remember and what I will be seeing again when it comes out on Monday. Um, I would like it to be Joker. I think Ford v Ferrari will probably get it because it's not going to get anything else. And it's a film about cars, and cars tend to be edited very well in films. (laughs) Yeah. So original score, you want to do that? Yeah, yeah. So we've got Joker, Hilda... uh, Gonna do to I can't pronounce that. Little Women, Alexandra Desplat, Marriage Story, Randy Newman, nineteen seventeen, Thomas Newman, and Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, John Williams. I think uh, because Star Wars has been nominated for Jaff All in this, it's the conclusion of a trilogy similar to what they done with Lord of the Rings. They chucked all the awards at Lord of the Rings when their final nominations come in because they know we ain't gonna fucking see you again. Mm. And John Williams is retiring from Star Wars after this, so this is like a victory lap. Don't deserve it, but that's what I think it'll be. Yeah. Well, I 
I talked a lot about the Joker's score. I would love to see Hilda get that because uh, thoroughly deserved. And Randy Newman's score in Marriage Story is is really, really good. Hmm. Do you know she wrote the score before the film was made? Really? Yeah, so they played, because Todd Phillips was like, I know is going to be on his own a lot of the time. Yeah. And if the music is there, it can help him, arti- it helped me articulate to him what I want the feel to be. Oh, and then that's... he was basically acting off the music that was being played to him. Right. So that's interesting. so clever. And yeah. it... And it's worked so well. That's that's awesome. So let's yeah. go have original song then for movies. <laughs> I've done a terrible job explaining that. Um, I can't let you throw yourself away from Toy Story Four. Uh, I'm gonna love me again from Rocket Man. Uh, I'm oh, sorry. Did you say who you think's gonna win best score? Did you yeah, say, yeah. You say Joker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Um, so back to back to this. I'm gonna love me again by Elton John. Uh, I'm standing with you from Breakthrough into the Unknown by Frozen Two or Stand Up by Harriet. It's quite funny that they kept pushing that. Um, oh, what's her name? Taylor Swift song, and then it's like, you know what? Cats is fucking shit. Let's just. Put it. <laughs> Where are you going on this? I, I haven't got much of an opinion on this one to be honest. I don't know them enough. Um, I think this is probably Elton's. It's an easy win for Elton, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, what, that's uh, tough to have an original song amongst all of the classic Elton songs um, and stand out. So, not yeah. bad. Yeah, um, maybe the Frozen Two. No, right, no, let's yeah. stick with stick with it. All right, let's go with the big one. The big one, the last one. Best motion picture of the year: Ford v Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. And let's point out that apparently, if you direct a film that is worthy of being in the Best Motion Picture of the Year nominee, somehow that doesn't mean you're good enough to be the Best Director. Somehow. Yeah. Well, it's always contentious. There's obviously more. In this category, yeah. So oh, the voice of reason. John I'm just Crick. just working with my data as the Americans. The data. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I haven't seen Little Women, but I would. It would be great. The problem is Little Women, and this is not <laughs> at all relevant. My sisters watched the original Little Women uh, right. with Claire Danes. There's, there's so many versions. Like, yeah. To be fair. Okay. Um, the '90s one. Right. They watch. They still watch it. Every single time we get together for Christmas, family news. And yeah, that's it, nice. It's not nice. If, I, I, I don't mean to watch it. <laughs> you got it again. Stockholm Syndrome from it. It's a great movie. I will give it that, but I just I can't watch it every time. But um, I really want to see this. Um, but for me, I would probably I'd like to see Jojo Rabbit, Joker, nineteen seventeen. Once upon a time. <laughs> I think one's got to win, man. You got to pick one. <laughs> Any of those four, but uh, again, 1917 is hard. To, but I'd like to see Quentin do it as well. So, what about you? Uh, Imagine Taika Waititi getting it for Jojo uh, Rabbit. I would, I'd go along with that. I'd love it, but it ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. I no. think uh, so. I'll go with the the classic. What I want and what I think. <laughs> so what I want is to be honest. I, I want Joker to win. I thought it was a great film. I liked it. Yes, you're gonna have problems with it. Yes. It doesn't reflect well on our society sometimes. The guy who directed Hangover 3. The guy who directed Hangover 3 somehow <laughs> becomes... What a comeback story. Yeah. I, I really, like, if, I, if, I literally, if I look at these films and say, what is the purpose of film? It's escapism and to feel something and to come out having a fucking experience. That is what cinema is. Joker gave that to me the most out of all the films in that list. 
Will it win? Hell no. There's too much going bad against it right now. I think 1917 will get it. I think it's the safe bet. Especially, oh, and here's the interesting thing. Does it have to follow Best Director? Right. So if Quentin gets Best Director, does Quint, does Once Upon a Time get by default? Do you know what I mean? I know it hasn't in previous years, but would you? I don't think it does because there's the playing field that is not obvious this time, which kind of make it exciting. Um, for me, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like I can call out a clear, obvious, like prospective winner. No. So, which is, I, which is I cool. I really didn't like The Irishman because of it. I think The Irishman needed to have an hour show. If you, I reckon there's a glorious film in The Irishman. It's just lost in three and a half hours. If it was a two-hour movie and you cut the best bits in that, mm. it probably would fucking steal the show. Martin is trying to help our generation and our lapse in concentration. Very um, true, very true. Well, yeah, but but Joe J. Rabbit's so charming and beautiful and everything in between of that, and, but I just don't think you'll get it. You can't have a film about Nazis where it's funny. <laughs> Win. Yeah, and I don't think a load of old dudes are going to vote for Jojo Rabbit. I don't think they're going to see it. I mean, apparently, <laughs> hardly any of the actual voting public in this see all the films. Right. That's they just go with what they're told. Good. That's always good, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's fucking disgraceful. Really. So there we go. Um, <coughs> hard to call, but... There's our thoughts. And what are yours? Get in contact with us on Twitter at TalkFilm. It's me. We'll go through the winners and the losers and everything in between as and when they happen. News. Uh, this pod's getting quite long already, are you? So we'll talk a bit about news and then we'll wrap it up there. But let's go through some film news at the moment. So... Doctor Strange 2 loses its director, Scott Derrickson, over those goddamn creative differences. John, how many times have creative differences have fucked films? <laughs> mm. Oh, it happens. Probably for the best, you know. Yeah. You don't want that, that sort of uh, vibe on set, so cut it before. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I think one of the things about this is that this has been a long time coming. Scott Derrickson on Twitter has been dropping quite a few hints that the collaborative process with Disney has not been working out the way they wanted to. I think it's a shame. They knew what they were getting with him. He's a horror director. And he set he laid the foundations in the first film, knowing that he was going to get a second film with the hope of making the horror film that he wanted. And I think Disney have gone, you can make it scary, but not too scary, because, <laughs> you know, money. It's kind of a shame. Um, speaking about other directors, Quentin Tarantino has come out and said, although he has done a pen treatment of a Star Trek movie, it is very unlikely he is going to direct it. That's a bit of a shame. Yeah, bit of a shame. Um, I'm Well, it's good news for me because I don't want to see it. So uh, I want him to work on stuff like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Inglorious Bastards, not Star Trek. So. Great films. Yeah, imagine what his Star Trek movie would actually be. It would just be feet. And that's exactly, that's the sort of one, oh, Tarantino leaves from creative differences halfway through. It's inevitable, surely. So, yeah, that's true. Let's call that it now. Very true. Something I did not expect to see, though. Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. He's not world-renowned for his comedy. I reckon he could do it very fucking well. Just watch American Psycho and think about the timing slightly differently. It could be very funny. <laughs> he is going to be in Taika Waititi's next Marvel movie for Love and Thunder as the bad guy. Yeah. That's, that's who would have thought those those combination of words would a produce a film and b make you so excited for it. Like I'm pretty pumped for that. He plays a good bad guy. Have you ever heard? Oh, the famous Brant video. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm just having a bad day, all right. Look, look, look. I'm talking to you. You're a fucking moron. Oh yeah. You're a nice guy. Yeah. That's my favourite bit. It's, no one has ever believes. 
someone when they say you're a nice guy and I'm going to say it so aggressively towards <laughs> you as well um, he famously has a temper doesn't he um, so let's talk about Bond oh, the Bond why not? song has yep. I don't know if it's been written but the singer's been announced and it's going to be Billy Eilish if I've pronounced that correctly I've got to be honest I'm not, I'm not too Billie familiar Eilish. with Eilish thank yep. you very much I'm not very <laughs> familiar with her work although it sounds like it's going to be a dreary she song. is hot right now Flinty and I she's tea. She's uh, 16, 17? 18. 18, really? Yeah, oh, right. maybe just a turn. I mean, so all the press, like, 18 year olds, <laughs> sing the thing. And, you know, interestingly, uh, a massive right for, and rightfully so, of uh, female representation in just general, like, work culture. So it's good that they're, it's almost like they're going, look, we know we're a bit shit, so we're going to get someone decent and who's actually a feminist to uh, try well, and champion this. The best Bond songs are sung by women. The most memorable ones. Oh, Come I, on. I love Chris Cornell's one. Yeah. But that's because I, I love Chris Live Cornell. Live and Let Die. Yeah, but like, they're, they're never going to have... The songs... So, the songs written by women, or most of the ones that are written by women anyway, tend to transcend the artist. And I don't know what that says about the time or about the quality of the song, but the point is is that you think Diamonds Are Forever, and that is a timeless song. Mm. Like, it'll forever, like, it'll still be a banger in, like, 50 years' time, where... <laughs> Maybe songs like You Know My Name or the one that Paul McCartney done that goes reggae halfway through, which everyone <laughs> stops after the first verse, I don't think will be as timeless. So, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Well, yeah, I haven't heard anything. Do you know, um, oh, what's it called? Muse mm. had a Bond song rejected. Muse are like, would be the best. So, no song, song Supremacy? Right. I can't remember what album it's on, but that was written with the intention of being a Bond song. It's even got the scale in it. So oh. as he's doing like the ver- like his yeah. verses, you can hear do do <laughs> like it's basically a Bond song. <sighs> and they were just like, nah, we want to get Jack Stripe and <laughs> Alicia Keys to do a song for the Quantum of Sausage, <laughs> which is what that film's left with. And I suppose to wrap off the news part in a quick way, Star Wars. It took its time, but it did pass over a billion dollars. Um, I don't know what that says about the future of Star Wars, other than it makes a lot of money. It's inevitable that it's going to get to a billion, no matter how good it is, or uh, if it deserves it. Mm. So, there we go. so there's a few trailers that drop since we've been out. Let's talk about Doolittle, because I really want to like this film. Mm. Right? And by the way, uh, Joe Rogan Experience, they all yeah. got Danny Jr. on. Listen to that. Brilliant. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. Interesting guy. Amazing he? guy, yeah. And like after listening to that, you want this Doolittle film to be really good because yeah. you're just like, ah, oh, this is just an amazing opportunity. And the fact he goes so deep on his research. So in that interview, he says, oh, um, if I'm going to do Doolittle, like I'm doing my own thing. And yeah. he went in on his own research and discovered this eccentric Welsh vet and he's based <laughs> the character on it. But the accent's fucking dodgy, isn't it? I haven't heard enough of it to give it... I don't know. Maybe Welsh people would probably be able to uh, criticise it more. But, uh, oh, no, it's Tom Jones. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, but I appreciate him pushing the boat out and doing, <coughs> doing something different. So that's cool. Yeah. But it looks interesting, looks kind of cool, but I was a li- I have to admit, I was a little bit... Oh, heart sunk a little bit with the trailer. But um, isn't it out now? No. We're nearly out. Uh, press screenings were on Thursday. Oh, no, press screenings are today. Right. And uh, so that means it'll be Wednesday. So there we go. I'll reserve judgment. But... There we go. Uh, another trailer dropped, Morbius. So, John, for the uninitiated, mm-hmm. Morbius is a Spider-Man character. He's a Spider-Man bad guy. 
The rights to making Marvel, uh, sorry, Spider-Man movies are owned by Sony. They have done a deal for Spider-Man to be in those Marvel movies with the MCU. But that doesn't mean they can't make their own shit. So they made Venom, who was a bad guy, and that made a load of money. So they decided to make this film, Morbius, hmm. and they hope to make a lot of money. Jared Leto is going to be playing the lead. It's basically a vampire, and there's no yes. Spider-Man in it. And we saw the trailer. What's your take? Jared Leto's like 100 <laughs> miles per hour, isn't he? He's, yeah. I mean, it's the most Jared Leto-y thing ever. I'm sure he, he couldn't do anything else, but he, he looks absolutely captivating in it. Um, really interesting, creepy. I, I, I mean, definitely intrigued by it. Not my typical movie that I'm into, but I think Jared Leto is that sort of captivating character where you, I could watch it. And he yeah. could probably make or break this movie, right? And he's probably going to make it, if anything. So, um... Yeah, what about you? What's your feelings? I, 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 I love it. They, they really want this Sinister Six movie. They clearly want to go, right, we're going to make a movie about all the Spider-Man's bad guys and then when the contract runs out finally with Marvel, we will then do a Spider-Man versus all of these guys in a big movie. It's clearly going to fucking happen. Um, that being said, though, I'm still really excited about this. Uh, I, I, I'm, one of those, I'm one of the four people that liked Venom. Um, so, <laughs> and they kept saying, from Venom, from Venom, from the studio, brought you Venom, so maybe I like it. There you go, <coughs> preaching to the choir. And I suppose just to wrap off trailers, Birds of Prey, that comes out I think next week as well. Uh, we've got the final trailer for that. I'm like, I didn't care about this film. Like, I really didn't. On paper, I was like, oh, who cares? But the more I'm seeing, the more playful it is, the more enjoyable it is. Yeah, McGregor seems kind of cool. It's a wicked trailer. Margot Robbie's doing her thing, the music sounds great, it's the supporting really cast good. looks awesome. So I'm getting really excited for this now. Yeah, it genuinely looks like a really good trailer. Margot Robbie looks like she's totally in it uh, in it to win it and yeah I'm definitely up for this one which you wouldn't expect me to hear me no, say on that very one very true but... very true anyway so that is a whiz bang top stop oh, I should get the start again that is a whiz bang tour of all the news uh, over the last couple of weeks that we've missed that we want to quickly chew the fat over if there's anything we've missed you want us to dive in on get on contact with us on twitter at talk film to me Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Again, apologies for the delay, but if you've liked this, if you like the Casabal Jip and you want a little bit more, John, what I've got to do is get a little bit more. You can find us on the cesspool of humanity that is twitter.com. Uh, I am at Descomento, and you are? Well, just, just do talk, at talk filmy to me. My personal Twitter is pretty boring. <laughs> I'll do a shout out to you. Hey, that's what I meant, at talk filmy to me. At talk filmy to me. But also, if you click on the like, follow, subscribe button, or leave a little comment in the window below, we will get back in contact and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Uh, next week, we'll be catching up on all the stuff that has been dropping over the last week or so. We'll be reviewing a couple of cool Netflix things and there's some other cool stuff to talk about as well. Anyway, stay filmy. Hang in there till next time. Bye-bye. Lovely.